What's going on, Sports Nation? Welcome to Game Breakers, the sports show where we will be breaking down news that's relevant in the sports world. It is your main guy, Edwin, here. Yes, sir. Everyone, it is now the weekend, Saturday. Yes, I know we did not record on Friday. Stuff happens, but the show still goes on. You guys know how we get down. We still do the work when it needs to get done. Okay, never forget that, right? Make sure you do your work and go above and beyond if you know it needs to be completed. See, I was back in high school, back in college, I was a go-getter. It didn't matter what time of the day it was. When the work needed to get done, it got done, okay? It, it got done. That's what it is. And that should be the same mentality for everyone out there if you want to succeed in life. But anyways, too much of this motivational talk as I usually give when I'm by myself hosting the show. But hope everyone is doing great out there. Hope you guys are enjoying the morning to afternoon part of your weekend so far. We got through the week. Once again, you deserve a drink. I'm not sure what you guys drink. Could be wine. Could be another source of alcohol. Could be juice. Could be water. All I said is you deserve a drink. Don't quote me on anything, people. I'm not here to you know influence you on doing uh, anything that regards alcohol. I'm not saying that. If you're a grown, you do whatever you want. I don't really care. But for, for all my young listeners out there, Drink water. Drink water. Not even juice. Water. Not even soda. Water. But anyways, for everyone else who is above, who is who is legal, <laughs> twenty one and up, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I'm sure you guys do it anyway. I'm, I I don't know what you guys do, but I, I know for one thing for sure. I definitely saw eighteen year olds drinking before in my lifetime, so it's it's definitely possible. Anyways, too much of this talk. Too much of this talk, guys. Let's get into some business because we have, once again, a fun-packed show to talk about right now. And we're actually going to kick off the show with some disturbing news, some disturbing and some, I don't even know how to put it, to be honest. I'm just shocked at what I'm reading right now, to be honest. So Brittany Griner, I'm sure you guys have heard of Brittany Griner before, plays for the Phoenix, uh, is it Phoenix Mercury? Yeah, Phoenix Mercury, I believe, yes. Phoenix Mercury uh, for WNBA. Um, and she is one of the best players in the WMEA, to me at least. Uh, very tall, 6'10", um, has 10 gold medals to her name, I believe, if that's correct. And, you know, what is disturbing about this news? You know, we don't really talk about WMEA. I know we don't do that, but maybe we'll do that more in the future. We have to get to that. Uh, and we don't also talk about politics. It's not a show for politics at all. But... Unfortunately, WNBA star Brittany Griner has been arrested or is in the custody of Russian Federal Customs Service, you know, for the Russian agency, the Russian police, you know, all that stuff, pretty much. Uh, she was detained because of having things found inside of her cartridges, you know, so finding vape cartridges um, that contain hashes oil in her luggage in her cartridge, whatever, in the airport near Moscow. It's not good at all. It's really not that good. Sorry, I said 10 medals. Why did I say 10 medals for? Um, won two medals with the United States. I saw something that said 10. I just, I, I ran with it. I'm not sure why, but yeah, she won 10. She won two medals, two medals. Sorry about that. A seven-time WNBA All-Star. Uh, and, you know, it, it's kind of disturbing to see <laughs> 10 medals. <laughs> I'm still not off that 10 medals. I'm over thinking something else. Um, it's kind of disturbing to see because, listen, I'm just praying that she's okay. I'm praying that she stays safe because we all know the war that's going on right now. If you don't know, you have to start reading the news. You should know by now. I mean, you can't live on their rock, to be honest. But Russian and, and, and you know Ukraine forces are butting heads with each other. And I don't know how safe it is. Probably not safe either in either old country, to be honest. But I um, hope she's doing fine. hope she's doing okay. And... Uh, there was a statement that was released uh, by her agent, her agent that says, you know, um, we are aware of the situation with Brittany Griner in Russia and are in close contact with her, her legal representation in Russia, her family, her teams, and the WNBA and NBA. Also went on to say, and I quote, as this is an ongoing legal matter, we are not able to comment further on the specifics of her case but can confirm that we, as we work to get her home, her mental and physical health remain our primary concern. 
the WNBA also came out and said that it has its full support. Full support, and the main priority is her swift and safe return to the U.S. Yes, that is very true. Don't know exactly how the guy inside her luggage. Maybe she did it intentionally, maybe not. I don't really know too much. Uh, there has to be more information released to give the whole outlook of the story. But we do know one thing is that she is being held in Russia right now, detained in Russia. And apparently a legal case in Russia has been opened that could possibly, um, you know, sentence be up to 10 years behind bars in Russia. Wow. A criminal case has been opened into the large-scale transportation of drugs, which can carry a sentence of up to 10 years, 10 years, guys, behind bars in Russia. That is not good. That is not good at all. But once again, praying for her safety, praying that she returns safely, praying that everything goes right. The most possible best outcome in this situation is for everything to go right, for her to return back to the U.S. unscathed. All right. But anyways... Let's get on to some other talk. Uh, going, We're going to jump back from the WNBA to the NFL to the NBA, but let's go on. All right. Mari Cooper. Amari Cooper. If you guys know Amari Cooper, you guys know that he was a star in um, Alabama coming out, right? From the draft. Got drafted to the Oakland Raiders at the time. Um, then he got traded to the Dallas Cowboys, where he is now. And now, fast forward seven years later, he is about to be released, or the like. The Cowboys are likely to release Amari Cooper because right now he's on a five-year, $100 million deal that he signed in 2020, but since he is due $20 million in fully guaranteed money on the fifth day of the new league year, March 20th, Cowboys decided, yeah, we're going to cut him, and we're going to save $16 million in cap space, which they would use to sign other free agents because they're more highly – more high high on um uh Michael Gallup who has ACL tear. More high on Dalton Schultz who is the top tight end and also a free agent this season. And they also want to resign some other players as well too. So so it's all in well. It's, it's all good and well, you know. Um, but the issue is that isn't really the same type of QB when Amari Cooper isn't on the field, and that's the issue. So if they're willing to take on this risk, quote unquote of letting go Amari Cooper and letting Dak be the guy he is, that that who they say he was <laughs> or he is at the moment, and he's a top QB, he's a, he's a great talent. We, we all know that he's a good talent, he's a good QB, but good and great are two different words. Similar, but two different words. Is he a great QB? I don't know, because the numbers say that he is 3-6 and six in nine games without Amari Cooper. He has a 63 uh, completion percentage. Uh, compared to 67 when Amari Cooper's on the field. Um, he throws for less yardage, and ultimately the team is a losing team when he's not on the field. So if you want to take that risk of letting Amari Cooper go, be my guest, because I just wrote an article about the New York Jets, and they should be interested, and a lot of teams actually should be interested in the services of Amari Cooper, because if you look at the talent that he has, it's really questionable to say – on whether or not he is a number one receiver at this point of his career. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe for most teams, probably, because unless you're going into a team that has the depth and a good receiving core, he's most likely not going to be the number one receiver on that team. A definitely good number two receiver, though. I will say that. But does that mean he's not a good player? Of course not. He's a damn well great player. Five out of the seven seasons, he's had a 1,000 yards or more. He's had at least 68 receptions in a season that's good enough now the big issue is yeah the Cowboys feel like they should be able to have the leeway or the leverage of letting him go because when it comes to these big games as in the way games as in, as in big moments there have been many Cowboy fans including my guy Greg including some other uh Cowboy fans who including Skip Bayless at least <laughs> who say that Mark Cooper has not shown up into big games big moments which is why to be paid as a top receiver, yeah, he can get good money, but to be paid as a top 10 receiver, uh, top five receiver, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And it may be true, all right? It may be true that he does not really show up into big games. He needs uh, better performances. 
on away tur- uh, away surfaces. But for that matter, he is still a guy that when he's on the field, he makes a big difference. And I think that any team that picks him up this offseason, if he does get released, which he most likely will get released, would, any team would be begging to have his services. And right now it makes the whole market for wide receivers look really, really good. Because now you have Amari Cooper there. You have Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Michael Gallup, who should be re-signed because I don't see the reason why they would let go of Amari Cooper and not re-sign Michael Gallup, despite him coming off of an ACL tear. But now we have some top wideouts out there. A top wideout free agent means a lot of desperate teams are going to throw money, including my team, they're going to throw money to Amari Cooper. And by the way, I definitely would welcome the idea of having Amari Cooper. I know... If you guys know, my number one target for free agency for a wide receiver is Allen Robinson this year. Doesn't happen. I would go Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Devontae Adams is a is a is a stretch. Like he's not coming to New York, you know. So I'll go. Oh yeah, Mike. I can't. Mike Williams. How can I forget about Mike Williams? Mike Williams too is a, is a part of that deal, um, as a part of that crop. So I would go Allen Robinson, Mike Williams, and then Chris Godwin and Devontae Adams. But now with Cooper coming into the fold, possibly I would go. Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Mike Williams. See what I did there? This guy is a stud. He's a stud. And he's proven everywhere he goes so far in two teams, at least that he can be productive, which he has been. It's not a fluke, guys. It's not a fluke, all right? We know that C.D. Lamb is becoming a receiver of his own, but I expect to see Dak struggle a lot next year unless they decide to jack the receiver or maybe go out. not going to really go out and get a big-name receiver, but unless they decide to jack the receiver, that has high upside and can contribute immediately because right now it's looking like CD lamb is that top receiver for that team. And I'm not sure if you want to win games with CD lamb as your top receiver, but he's good enough to be a great number two for right now, at least, but for him to be your top wide out, mm, I don't know, maybe Dallas team doesn't really need a top wide out anyway to make things work, but let's see how things go. Let's see how Dak plays next season without Amari Cooper. If this deal does go through and he does not have him, uh, for next season, but I must say, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, moving on. Let's get into some talk with JC Jackson, who is expected not to have the franchise tag on him, placed on him by the New England Patriots. Once again, you guys see, I, I told you this, man. I told you guys this. The Patriots do not do well in free agency or in the offseason in general. It's either mediocre to best. Even last season when they spent all this money. Yeah, I'll give them a good uh, one year out of 10, you know. And even last season when they spent money on guys like Hunter Henry, um, John o. Smith, Nelson Aguilar. You got Matthew June. I was a good, he was a good pickup, you know. Some of the other guys too, like, aside from, really for me, aside from Matthew Judon, uh, you know, and aside from maybe Hunter Henry, I don't really see too many impact players from that free agent class. I really don't. Maybe John U. Smith, maybe, but because he fits the system, you know. But um, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get how every year it's a case of this team not being able to sign players or retain players effectively. Okay, Hunter, I'll go, I'll go down the list before we get into J.C. Jackson, right? Hunter Henry, eh, okay. He's, he's okay. He's okay. Matthew Judon, now he was the best pickup for them. Kyle Van Noy, also a good pickup. I, got, I forgot about him. He's a really good pickup for them, right? James White, eh. Nelson Aguilar, eh. Lawrence Guy, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. He played okay. He played okay last year. But, eh, still, not an impact player. I guess you could say he's an impact player in the middle. Um, John o. Smith, eh. David Andrews, okay. Starting there, I mean, they retain their starting center. Yeah, that's not bad. But everywhere else, I guess Nick Folk could be in that category. Kendrick Bourne, you know, David Devon Gashaw. I don't know. Like, say, I really don't know. The issue thing, the, the, the big thing was last season was that people were getting on the Patriots' case and giving them all this praise because they were spending money finally. But – when they usually don't do that, it's a poor to mediocre offseason. And once again, they don't really believe in their talent. It happened with Stephen Gilmore, and now it's happening with J.C. Jackson, where they don't believe in their talent, despite their love for cornerbacks. Also, 
despite them having the leverage in this case to some somewhat because they do do a good job of developing cornerbacks into all-star or to good solid slash all-star level type cornerbacks. So maybe they believe in their development. They believe in their coaching to the point where they're letting go of an all pro second team, all pro cornerback in 2021, a first pro bowl selection for him. Uh, totaling eight interceptions and a league-high 23 passes defended. Wow. And for years, I said for years, but for a while, people were like, well, J.C. Jackson has Stephon Gilmore on the other side. Well, now, last year, he proved himself. Year before that, he definitely proved himself again, you know? Um, And top 10 cornerback for me, yes. Top 10 cornerback for me, definitely. No one in the 2018 draft has more than 13 interceptions in their career. And that is JC Jackson. You know, that's crazy. No one, no one talking about first rounders, talking about second rounders, does not matter. No one on Jack the free agent comes in and does that. So nine and nine interceptions in 2020 and 25 picks in his four-year career in the New England Patriots. Now, the reason why we're talking about Jason Jackson is because he is going to, once again, expect a lot of money as a top cornerback in the league, which he definitely should because right now he's the best cornerback on the market. So whatever team pays for him is going to overpay for this guy. But they will also get a top 10 cornerback, possibly top five. I mean, he's really underrated. Let's be honest with people, really underrated. Now, there's a question on whether or not he benefited from a good slash great defensive scheme from the Patriots and Bill Belichick? Or was he just that good? But I know one thing's for sure, I would definitely pay for his services. <laughs> I, I definitely would. Because New York Jets, we need a, a we need a, a cornerback. We definitely do. I do believe in Bryce Hall uh, as a good cornerback. Number one, maybe, maybe not. But Jesse Jackson is that dude. He is that dude. And he blanketed a lot of receivers last season so we'll see what happens but once again going back to the patriots another case of them not believing in their talent i'm not sure what it is they have this whole model of doesn't matter what player we have as long as he conforms to the system into the structure into the culture and the environment of the team we will be fine but that does not always work and we've seen that in the past it does not always work. Even last season before Patriots went out and spent all this money, they were mediocre last year. Mediocre. Does not always work. You need some talent on your team despite a structure. I'm going to talk about basketball. Listen, the New York Knicks have, well, at least when, last season they had, like, they didn't have big-name talent. I mean, Julius Randle was your best scorer for that team, your best talent for that team. The structure, okay, can win you a couple of games here and there. Playing hard can also win you a couple of games here and there as well, too. But they had Julius Randle, who's playing, despite him not being the biggest name out there, at least last season he was playing like a talented forward. He was named to second team all, all NBA, I believe, and he was playing out of his mind. The talent there matters. Without that talent and without, you know, the 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 brilliance from Julius Randle in that season, the Knicks are not the same team. They're not. Not the same team at all. They have talent here and there. They have potential, young potential. The structure is there. Defense is there. But without Julius Randle, for all those Julius Randle haters, it does not work out. It, it might be the same thing here for J.C. Jackson. I'm not going to lie. It might be the same case where he is going to leave a team like the New England Patriots who next season may miss his services. Now, we'll see what happens. Once again, Bill Belichick is that guy. He is a Hall of Fame coach already, arguably the, the best coach, the greatest coach in history of the NFL. So if he really believes in his development and his coaching abilities, which he definitely should, then he does. He has no problem or issue of letting J.C. Jackson walk in free agency. So we'll see what happens. I like it. I like it a lot. You know, Patriots for me, just keep on doing your nonsense. When it comes, when it comes, you know, <laughs> keep on doing your nonsense. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. All right. So let's actually get into some AFC North report cards before we get into the uh, second half of the show. Uh, let's start off with 
the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. The Baltimore Ravens had a lot, I mean a lot, of injuries last year. A lot. And that prompted them to finish 8-9, and nine, which is not actually too bad. It's actually respectable. Because at one point of the season, they were 6-3, and three, I believe, 5-2. and two. You know, they were winning some of these games. And the best game that they won last year, to me, to me, was definitely, and I say definitely, <laughs> definitely that Chiefs game. Early on in the season, you have some injuries. You're still trying to figure things out. You're still trying to figure out your offense. I know we spoke about this before the season started with Greg Roman and how he would find a way to still be effective with the running game and how that would be able to play into their hands of trying to win games and at home against a rival in recent years that you just struggle to beat. I mean, some of these top teams, the Bills, the Ravens, and, you know, some other top, like the Chargers as well, too, they struggle to beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs have their number, okay? And this team immediately was exploding, imploding. It was 14-7 at one point. Um, and the first game, I think it was the first play of the game, interception return for a touchdown by Tyron Matthew. Crazy. Come back for a touchdown, then you get another touchdown for the Chiefs. And at some point, it's it's 21-7, 17 at halftime. Not too bad, but you guys know when a good team or a great team like the Chiefs at that point of the season gets a big lead, like a 10-point lead, and they have that, that upper hand, it's pretty hard to come back. And they were up by 11 early on in the, in the second half. All right. But to their credit, the Baltimore Ravens battled back. And I mean, I saw one of the best games I've seen from Lamar Jackson in the second half when he willed this team back. And one of the more gutsiest calls from this team against this opponent to go for it and ice the game. I love it. I love it. Fourth and one. And we have Jackson up the middle for two yards. Love it. Game over. You know, and that comes after they force a fumble. Um, that is pretty much the game right there. So, listen, that was the best win for me. Uh, I know it was early on in the season, but and they had a, a couple of nice comeback wins too against the Colts, um, <laughs> against the Lions for that matter. You know, you know that Justin Tucker sixty plus yard field goal. But for what it's worth, that to me stood out for the best win of the season. Now, the worst loss of the season definitely definitely goes to them against the Bengals. I mean, sheesh. I mean, sheesh. The Bengals blew them out twice, by the way. But the first time they blew them out, though, in Baltimore was terrible. <laughs> terrible. Oh, my goodness. To get smacked like that in Baltimore? I mean, you look at that one play, right, where Jamar Chase catches the ball. I think it's like another curl route. And he bounces off of three tacklers. And sprints to the end zone. That said the whole entire game. The whole entire game. They were caught off guard. They really were. They were caught off guard. And at halftime, it was only 13 to 10. But they were caught off guard. I mean, seriously, the second half, they just imploded. Imploded. Because to have Jamar Chase do that, and then another interception returned, you know what I'm saying? And like, not yeah, not returned, but another interception. Uh uh, by Burrow, but doesn't really matter because Ravens turn the ball over on downs and then a touchdown, turn the ball over on downs and another touchdown, this time by, uh, you know, Joe Mixon. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on, man. Come on. That is in that it's, it's insane. It's insane. It really is. So you look at that and you just see um, the likes of them getting smacked. In Baltimore. That was terrible. But two things. Two things I noticed from the team last year was, one, the coaching. Coaching matters, people. It matters a lot. And if you see the likes of how many injured players they had last year and how many – I mean, you talk about the Titans and how many players they had to overcome last year despite them getting the first seed. But the Baltimore Ravens have to overcome a lot, a lot of player injuries, a lot of impactful player injuries. Marcus Peters, J.K. Dobbins. Later on in the season, Marlon Humphrey, it was terrible. Gus Edwards, it was terrible. It was terrible, indeed. 
you know, Lamar Jackson here and there had to play Tyler Huntley, who wasn't that bad as a backup, but um, it wasn't Lamar Jackson's standards, at least. It was terrible. But John Harbaugh had the likes of uh, him taking over this team and scrapping and grinding out and getting some wins. was not easy to beat the Chiefs. was not easy to beat the Lions, despite the Lions being trash. It was not easy to come back down by, what, as much as 10, I believe? And beat the Colts at home. You know, was not easy at all. Wasn't easy to beat the Vikings. So kudos to them. But another issue that I saw last year, and maybe it could be down to the injuries, but the defense was lackluster. It was lackluster. Um, um, and you know, that could be a case of the scheme, how they play. You know, when you have these man-to-man coverages, you need guys who can cover their own. And we don't have Marcus Peters or Marlon Humphrey for that matter. Kind of tough to do that, you know. So they got beat a lot, a lot last season. Uh, and man, got beat a lot in coverage, but also that could be down to the amount of injuries and impactful situations that they had, and also a lack of pass rush, too. They didn't really see that too much. Um, had to usually blitz to get to the QB, not what you want to really be doing, but they do develop some nice outside linebackers, so that's a good thing for them. All right, anyways, the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland, this is for you. All right, so Cleveland Browns, the worst loss. I'll I, I actually start with the worst loss. The worst loss to me came, this is pretty bad. This is pretty bad indeed, against the Patriots, right? The Patriots. Now, they had a lot of bad losses here. I see the Cardinals blowing them out. I see the Patriots blowing them out. I see them losing to the Raiders by a field goal. Um, but, yeah, I see them getting swept by the Steelers. But, Worst loss for me goes to the Patriots. And the reason why is because to get smacked like that and to have Mac Jones tear you apart like that, I know you don't have Bacon Mayfield, which is whatever. Um, he got injured in that game. Um, but still, that defense collapsed. It collapsed. Okay. And it's hard to play offense when, you know, when you don't have your starting QB. But it went a touchdown from Cleveland, touchdown from Patriots, an interception by Baker Mayfield, you know, a touchdown by the Patriots, and then another touchdown after a punt, and then a field goal after that. Uh, then we just go to the second half, it just whole, it unravels, unravels again and again. Now, part of this is the reason why they couldn't uh, they couldn't score the ball, I mean, score points, they couldn't move the football, so that's part of the reason why they got blown out. But, once again, to get smacked like that, this is during the time where the Patriots had that good run too, but still, this is a crucial game. I believe both these teams are five and five. Yeah, five and five, five and four coming into this game. The Browns need this game. And they get smacked like that. Terrible. Terrible. Now, two things. One, <sighs> Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was geez Louise, man. Jeez Louise. Seriously, it was not his best year at all. <laughs> it was not his best year at all. 13 interceptions, only to 17 touchdowns. Um, he was inaccurate, highly sometimes. Only 60% completion. That's terrible. Um, and for the most part, um, you could say that he was coddled by a lot uh, for the running game, the defense making plays sometimes. But in the end, Baker Mayfield, that was a terrible. That was probably the worst season I've had. I've seen him play as a QB. And for him to try and play his way into a contract extension or whatever to get more money to get a prover deal, either way, he has no leverage. He really doesn't. Because despite the Cleveland Browns not having any consistent QB play up until Baker Mayfield, they still can say that he sucked. And we can still find a better solution. They can say that. They really can. So we'll see what happens. But Baker Mayfield, that was terrible this year. That was terrible. And to have OBJ go to the Rams and look like a whole different, totally different player says a lot about your QB play. Was not the best. But, he, you know, to his credit, he did play injured sometimes. So I won't give him too much criticism, but that was – it was still bad. Still bad. And the defense. Defense having so much talent. I mean, the potential on this team is so much. So much. Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, Jeremiah Owusu-Kuromoa. You know, Jadavion, oh, Jadavion Clowney. Did I say Jadavion Clowney? You know, yeah. These guys, Miles Garrett, 
And for them not to be able to play like a star defense says a lot. I mean, seriously. Greg Newsom, too. You know, like all these pieces there. A lot of talent. Grant Delpit from LSU. A lot of talent. And for them still not to be able to play up to their standards. Now, yes, there were some injuries here and there. But for the most part, when they were healthy, sometimes I saw this team getting smacked up. Didn't matter who was there. Seriously. I mean, they should not be playing that bad with so much talent like that on defense. Should not be. Definitely should not be. Let's actually jump to the to the Bengals here. To the Bengals. Best win of the season for me actually comes against the Chiefs. And it's not the regular season game. It's the playoff game. You know, I know we're talking about regular season here, but, like, playoff matters too. It's important, and it's also included in this. Playoff. All right. Now it was tied for me because I wanted to give them to I wanted to give them the best win of the season against the Chiefs in the regular season, but the playoff experience and the playoff win was way more important, way more phenomenal to watch. I said to myself and to others too, by the way, that if this team falls behind by double digits again, like they did in the regular season, they will not win this game. And what happens? They fall by double digits again. But same outcome, they come back down by 11 to win the football game. Down by 11, down by 18 as much, you know, they come back to win the football game. That was a gutsy, gutsy performance by Joe Burrow, a gutsy performance by Joe Mixon on the running game, and T. Higgins did his thing. Uh, The touchdown to Jamar Chase was excellent. And on top of that, you know, the last pick of the game, that pretty much sealed it for them in OT, that was phenomenal. Phenomenal. That defense, once again, stepped up. I'm not sure exactly what Zach Taylor told them at halftime to have these changes because we do know that whatever's happening in the first half does not happen in the second half too, most likely, because of the changes, because of the coaching uh, that comes into play. But I'm not sure what Taylor told them. But these guys came out there and did the business again. Oh, again, held the Chiefs, the Chiefs to what? Three points, I believe. Three points in the second half. Jeez Louise. What a defensive performance by that team. I cannot believe it. Could not believe it. But let's get into the worst loss. Worst loss of the season for them. And it's not going to be the Jets because it was a bad loss at the time, but they weren't really serious. We didn't know if this team was it or not. But the worst loss for the season for me Definitely, definitely, definitely has to go to drum roll, please. I'm just joking. No drum roll. No drum roll. All right. So when they got smacked by the Browns, Browns came in. Same Ohio's team, Ohio, two teams in Ohio, you know, same. Cincinnati came in. Cleveland came in. Got smacked at home. Joe Burrow, two interceptions. Terrible. Browns, you had that defense exposed. Exposed. One of Baker Mayfield's better games of the season. Had him playing lights out. You had Nick Chubb running all over this team. The strength of that defense is the running game. And maybe that wasn't the case back then, but, you know, definitely wasn't in that game. Nick Chubb, 137 yards, two TDs. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 86 yards, had the deep bomb behind coverage and one TD. The Bengals were just outplayed. Outplayed? I mean, they, they it was terrible. Had an interception return for a touchdown early on in the game. It was terrible. It was d- damn right terrible. Terrible. I could not believe it. Could not believe it at all. Oh, sorry. Did I skip the Cleveland Browns' best win of the season? I probably did. I, I definitely did, by the way. Let's go. Well, actually, let's go back to the Cleveland Browns really quickly. Because <laughs> I definitely did skip the best win of the season. Okay. I actually do that after the Bengals talk. You know, I'll give you guys a double back. I'll double back down for that. But to the Cleveland Browns, speaking of the Cleveland Browns, funny, they just came in there and whooped them. Could not believe that at all. And that was a time where I was actually garnering, gaining some respect for this Bengals team. And for, the ha- for them to have that type of performance, that was terrible. It was garbage. But anyways, um, two things I noticed. Joe freaking Burrow. Joe freaking Burrow stood out the whole entire season. Once again, coming back, comeback player of the year, the way he elevated this offense. I know you guys can say Jamar Chase did that, but Joe Burrow did that thing too. 
he did that thing too because he was phenomenal the whole entire season and phenomenal in the playoffs too. He didn't have too much to work with with the office line, but he did his part. So anybody who wants to come against Joe Burrow, come through me first. All right. And another thing that I noticed with this team last year was the optimistic defense that they had. It wasn't a, a lockdown defense. wasn't a shutdown defense. was not a top five defense by any means necessary. But I have been saying this all last season and giving praise to the cornerbacks, Mike Hilton, Chidobia Wuzie, even Eli Apple sometimes. Guys, I know you was, you were smoking that man heavy. He <laughs> smoking that pack heavy after the Super Bowl. But listen, he had an okay season too. He definitely did. All right. And the the, the deep players, Jesse Bates, uh, Von Bell, they had a good season as well, too. For the most part, this defense, despite them not being the best, they did two things. One, when it was time, they took away the football. And two, they did well at stopping the football when it came to the trenches, stopping the run. So good for them and good for the whole entire season. And it came up short, did not win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it came up a bit short. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but lost to a better team, in my opinion. But who knows? They will be back next season. They do have the most cap space or at least top two, I believe, in cap space for the offseason. So they have a chance to be a repeat team. You never know. Repeat division winner and a repeat team in the Super Bowl. Because for them to have that much money and to spend more on big free agents and to give more pieces to this team, it's going to be scary. Now, let's double back to the Cleveland Browns. I'm sorry, Cleveland fans. I know you get more hatred here. but uh, the best win of the season for me definitely comes against that that terrible win. Terrible, terrible, uh, I said terrible, the best win ever. Terrible game, terrible team, Denver Broncos. Now, Cleveland Browns had everybody out for this game. Every freaking body out for this game. And yet, Vegas said they were still the favorites. Despite the Denver Broncos coming in, despite Teddy Bridgewater starting, despite them being pretty much healthy, despite that defense still being there, which was happening, it was a low-scoring game. But Case Keenum did that. You know, we can make the comparisons between Case Keenum and, and Baker Mayfield, but for what it's worth, he did definitely did win that game. And how about Dearness Johnson? I mean, 146 yards rushing and one TD. This guy looked like a stud. And I was over here telling Will, like, yo, he might have just put a lot of teams on the map for him next season in the year after that. Because if he can do this... Yes, it's a bleed. It's a Cleveland Brown system. It's a running system. He has a good offensive line in front of him. But if he could do that, though, what do we want him to do? You want him to play bad? He could definitely be a serviceable back for any team that calls his number. So you never know. But that was a great game from Dearness Johnson. Seriously, a great game for him. Stepping in for uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and doing the business. What a game. What a game from him. They leaned on the running game, and it worked out for them. All right. Sorry about that, folks. I know I skipped the gun there. But last but not least, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, my goodness. So best win of the season for me, right? Best win of the season for me has to go for the Ravens. You know, uh, it was tough for me because I was going to say that the Steelers beating the Bills in Buffalo was a good win. But once again, it's week one, you know, not really to me. And the Buffalo Bills were the favorites, but yeah, anything can happen in week one. Anything can happen. And also another game that was tied for me was the win against the Bears in primetime football, um, the two-point win. But once again, doesn't really matter. Best win for me has to go uh, for the Ravens because in that situation, they had the smallest chance of getting into the playoffs. But they still had to take care of their part and beat the Ravens on the road, by the way. It doesn't matter who's at quote QB. Tyler Huntley, Lamar Jackson on the road. It's tough to go into Baltimore as a division rival. Especially if you are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, you don't want to do that. But on the road against a team that would definitely want to ruin the chances of you and Big Ben and his going away party of sending you guys off with a loss. A most hated rival. And to have a gutsy win, doesn't matter how it was, you know, most of the, the Steelers' wins were gutsy and uh, uh, sloppy, but they won in OT, all right? Big Ben came alive in that game, had his best share of his old self, uh, 
threw for 244 yards and one TD, one interception. But for the most part, that defense shut down Tyler Huntley. Um, the Ravens did have chances. They were moving the football here and there. But for the most part, to only give up 13 points is a good win for you any day. And for Ben Roethlisberger to come in there and to do that and to have a chance and come to find out that that win got them into the playoffs because the coach choked, you know, like that was great. That was great to see. Got blown out in the playoffs, didn't matter, but hey, I'm just happy to be here. That's how many uh, Pittsburgh fans were staying out there. Yeah. Worst loss of the season. Worst loss of the season for me, for me. Has to go to drum roll, please. Now it's not really a loss to be honest. It's a tie. The tie against the Detroit Lions. Now let's 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 analyze this game, right? Mason Rudolph is starting this game. Okay, he played pretty bad. Thirty or fifty, two hundred and forty-two yards, one TD, one interception. Played pretty bad. Jared Goff. We had Swift playing. We had Amon St. Brown playing. Well, the point is that the Lions pretty much had their star players in that game. All right. But for the Steelers to not put this game to bed, to not put this game to bed after a missed field goal. So we fast forward to <laughs> we fast forward to OT, right? This game is going to OT. Okay. And Mason Rudolph. Gets the ball to Deontay Johnson. He runs. He's running. The game might be it might be close to over, and he fumbles. Oh my goodness! The Lions are about to get the first one of the season. He fumbles. Lions drive. Golf. It's it's picked off, but then it's a penalty. It's called back. So that's a, a driver killer right there for the Steelers. Could have got the ball back. Could have won the game off of off of a field goal. All right. They get into field goal range. They kick the field goal. He misses. Another opportunity for the Steelers to drive. Another opportunity to, to drive. A quick punt. Lions get the ball. Quick punt. And then here comes the big money. Mason Rudolph actually doing a good job on this drive for the most part. Almost actually getting interception. And, <laughs> yeah, he almost threw the game away with another interception, but didn't happen. I uh, forgot who dropped it for the Lions. I was just so pissed off. So pissed off. I remember talking about that game. When it happened, I was so pissed off because I was hoping the Steelers would lose that game and they did not do that. But anyways, fast forward, gets the ball to Pat Fryer move. And all these Steelers fans are talking about, oh, yeah, Pat Fryer move is that guy, blah, blah, blah. Well, when the game is on the line at the Detroit 39-yard line, he fumbles. He freaking fumbles. And instead of having a record without, you know, your starting QB and going to 6-3 and three on the season – you settled for five, three, and one. And it made that one win, the last one of the season in Baltimore, all the harder to get because of this result right here. Five, three, and one. So pissed. So pissed. That was by far the worst performance I've seen that team have. I know they had some pretty bad performances. You know, the Chiefs, you had the sloppy game against um, against the, the Browns. You know, a sloppy game against the Bills coming back and beating them. You know, had a bad game against the Bengals. But that was by far the worst. The Seahawks, too, by the way, that was a terrible game. (laughs) Jeez Louise. That was by far the worst one. It definitely was. All right. But let me go down the list and give my grades for each team. For the Bengals, I definitely have to give them an A+. Because no one saw this coming. A team that had two wins two years ago. I think four wins last year. And to win the division to go to the Super Bowl, to beat the Chiefs twice in the season when the Chiefs have their mojo? That says a lot. says a lot about this team, man. And they're only going to get better. So give me an A-plus for the Bengals. Um, Steelers, I'll give them a B. And the only reason why I'm giving them a B is because despite them playing solid, I mean, I mean, that's not going to be solid, but solid slash scrappy slash sloppy, they still made the playoffs. They still did it under Ben Roethlisberger, under Mike Tomlin, and – for what it's worth, they scrapped away into that relevancy of being in the playoffs. So kudos to them. Cleveland Browns gotta give them a, a C minus. Actually, no, I'll give them a D plus, a D plus because it looks so nice early on in the season. Close loss here to the Chiefs. You know, at some point you're, at some point you're you're uh, three and two. Um, you know, but after that, the season unraveled for them. I'm not sure what it was, but it unraveled, and they just finished off what I just not was expecting. I call this team to be 
the division leaders for that for the AFC North. I call this team to be a deep run postseason team. Did not happen, and that's why this rating is so low for them. Now for the Ravens, I'll give the Ravens a C plus. C plus. Um, yeah, actually, no, I give them a B. I give them a B. I can't give them a C plus because for them to fight back and to win some of these games without star talent and come back from behind in most of these games to win says a lot about the coaching staff, says a lot about the player that they have in Lamar Jackson um, and the, some of the players who did perform. You can't forget about Tyler Huntley and what he did in Chicago when they had pretty much nobody and he just willed this team back on his shoulders. Had a lot of good wins. So for them, I'll give them a B, a solid B. Yeah, things could have been much better if they would have had some talent, but yeah, solid B for them. All right, when we come back, we will discuss Zion Williamson returning back to the Pelicans? Okay, nice, 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 nice. And end off the show with some NBA scorelines and predictions. Guys, enjoy the commercials. Hey, guys, it's me, Christy Love. And if you want to stay up to date on all Chicago sports, like the Bears, Justin Fields took it upon himself to tally our team back and score 23 points in the fourth quarter. He just showed America that he's a star, and everybody was saying it. The Bulls. This has been the best team we had since Jordan. Or the hottest topics in sports as a whole. Tune in to File on the Play, hosted by yours truly, and brought to you by Nuts and Bowl Sports. What's up, guys? Ryan Cooley here. Just wanted to let you know if you're a huge football fan or fan of the NFL, be sure to check out my podcast, Cooley's Controversial Takes, on the Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, and Podbean. Every episode, I do a quick little recap of each game that was played during that week. Uh, at the end of the episode, I'll make my weekly picks who I think will win. And in the middle of the episodes, I'll be going over a lot of Washington football, uh, going to a deeper dive of their game or moves that they've made. And I also go over any big headlines that occurred during that week in football. So if you're interested in that, be sure to check out my podcast. Once again, it's Cooley's Controversial Takes on the Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, and Podbeans. Hello, this is Greg Rector, and this is Greg's Gripes, my podcast, and my podcast focuses in on things in the world of sports that do tend to bother me, and that's why I have my gripes. And I'm also the, one of the senior writers at NutsAndWorldSports.com. I cover the Dallas Cowboys with Cowboys Corner. I also write about the Toronto Raptors, the Toronto Blue Jays, various other things in the world of sports. And as I said, this is my area of the podcast world where I get to do some griping. Yes, sir. It's Game Breakers here, the number one sports podcast in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Available on all podcast platforms, dropping new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Listen, if you're not tuning into Game Breakers, what are you really doing with your life? Seriously. Okay, we are back in the building. Yes, sir. Now, Zion, talk to me. Talk to me. How is things going? Because now I hear that he is back. He is back. Coming back to uh, New Orleans after rehabbing in Portland. Now, the thing about that is Zion Williamson, yes, he has this foot injury. He's trying to get back into shape. He's trying to do all these things. But the biggest thing that I see right now is the chemistry, the morale of the team. Maybe boosted because he is now back with the team. And he won't be traveling as of right now, but he will be around the team, around the facility when they are in the New Orleans. So that's pretty good. I, well, that is pretty good. Zion Williamson, I'm not sure exactly if he's dealt with some mental issues um, because, you know, rehabbing and trying to get back into shape can definitely be a toll or take a toll on your mental and emotional state. So maybe being back around his teammates, maybe getting to know CJ McCollum could be a bonus for him and can boost the, the morale of him and maybe give him some extra motivation to come back faster, not faster, but come back stronger than before, you know, because there was questions about whether or not he was a leader and maybe he might not be a leader right now, but it all does not mean that he cannot grow into a leader at this point. So that's good for him. Um, hope that he be, he's able to at least attend the home games sooner or later, but for right now, it's looking good for the Pelicans and Zion Williamson especially since he's their star player. He's the big name player. He's the face of the franchise, despite what happens this season, um, despite them fighting for a play-in slash playoff spot, whatever the case may be. Um, they want to make sure that he is happy. 
And for that matter, as long as he is close to the team and has some good relations, they can have now have a plan of getting him back onto the court and now pairing him up with Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, Josh, not Josh Hart. Um, you know, you know, all these other players, uh, Devontae Grant. So we'll see how that goes. Jonas Valachunas, we'll see how that goes. Because when you look at that starting lineup, guys, it's not bad. It's actually pretty nice. It's, it has a lot of potential. Jonas Valachunas as a big man, I like him as a big man. You know, we have Brandon Ingram. You know, we already know about how B.I. gets down. Brandon Ingram gets down. You know what I'm saying? We already know how C.J. McCollum gets down. Zion Williamson, in his short stint on the court, was productive, was dominating other opponents. So it all could work out, and they could actually be something similar to what the Timberwolves are doing right now with the young talent and catching people by surprise and becoming a sort of good team. So you never know. It could work out. It could definitely work out. But that has all remained to be seen. For right now, though, he is expected to be back, and the timetable for his return on the court is still unclear. But he does also clear to progress into some basketball activities too. So that's another bonus. We'll see how that goes. But anyways, guys, let's get into some NBA scorelines and predictions. Yes, sir. Okay. Now we had a lot of great games last night. A lot of great games. Start off with the 76ers and the Cavaliers. What a game, man. What a game. Maxi. Tyrese freaking Maxi, go off, man. Go off. All you people who did not believe in Tyrese Maxi, including me, including me, eat your dust because he has been balling out. Doesn't matter if James Harden's on the team, he has been balling out. A 30 piece last night 33 points, five assists, four rebounds. Pretty damn good. James Harden, 25 points, 11 assists. Joel Embiid, 22 points, nine rebounds. 15 from Tobias Harris. And 17 off the bench from George Yang, who had some clutch buckets for them down the stretch. For the Cleveland team, who was up by uh, a lot, not a lot, but who was up by, I believe, what, 10? The largest lead in the game was 21. Sorry, 21. They wasn't by a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they had a lead that was quickly diminished in the fourth quarter. Not sure what happened. Uh, they let the, the 76ers score 28 on them compared to 20 for the Cleveland Cavaliers. When you're a defensive team, not really the best, but for them, 22 points from Isaac Okoro. Uh, we had 26 points from Darius Garland and 19 assists. My goodness, 19 freaking assists. That is tough. 20 points from Jared Allen and 20 points off the bench from Chetty Osman. Not bad. But it is the Philadelphia 76ers who are now second in the East. The James Harden effect is looking like it's working. Pacers and Pistons. Pacers lose on the road to the Pistons. Wow. 106 to 111. Uh, we had a scoreline of 25 from Sadiq Bey. We had uh, 20 points from Cade Cunningham, my guy. 18 off the bench from Marvin Bagley or Badgley. And for the uh, Pacers, we had 26 points from Malcolm Brogdon, 16 from Buddy Hill, uh, 10 and 12 apiece from Brissett and Isaiah Jackson. Okay. No Tyrese Halliburton, unfortunately, but I'm just joking. He was there. He didn't really do too much. Only eight eight points, um, but also eight rebounds and seven assists. Not too bad. Not too bad. But as as when it comes to the scoring, he didn't really do too much for that game. It's one game. Doesn't matter. It's one game. Sixteen points off the bench from my guy Dwayne Washington. Not too bad. Okay, Bucks and Bulls. What a game that was. What a game that was. You had Giannis getting posterized by Derrick Jones Jr. Can you believe that? For the losing team, 29 points for DeMar DeRozan. We had 19 points from Nikola Vucevic, nine rebounds. 30 points from Zach Levine. Um, and pretty much for the Bucks, because no one else really stood out for me for the Bulls. Uh, maybe uh, Javante Green, I guess, off the bench, nine points. But for the Bucks, 34 points from Giannis. 16 rebounds. Yes, that is my favorite player. That is my guy. 22 points from Chris Middleton. 26 points from Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday and eight rebounds to five assists. And that is your big three carrying you to a win on the road. Potential playoff matchup. You never know. You never know. Hawks and Wizards. Hawks get the win against the Wizards on the road. 117 to 114. We have 26 points from DeAndre Hunter. Uh, 12 points from Clint Capella, 25 points from Trey Young, 10 points from Danilo Gallinari, and 17 points from Bogey Bogdan Bogdanovich. Wizards, 
28 points from KCP. Not bad, actually. 22 points from Kyle Kuzma, 11 assists, who still has been balling this year. 19 points from Rui Hachimura off the bench, and 12 points from Thomas Bryant off the bench. All right, Magic and Raptors. Magic defeat the Raptors at home, on the road, I mean, but the Raptors lose at home. That's crazy. Raptors, man, they have not been playing good basketball since the All-Star break. I'm not sure what it has been, but they need to get things straightened out quickly. 34 points from Pascal Siakam, 20 points from Matt Flynn, Malachi Finn, sorry, uh, 11 points off the bench from Precious Achua. Not too bad. Uh, and for the Magic, the winning team, 15 points. Ah, every team scored in double figures. 15 points from Jalen Suggs, 15 points from Cole Anthony, 14 from Mo Bamba, 11 and 10 apiece from Franz Wagner and Chris Okiki. Or Chuma Okiki. I keep on, why do I keep on pronouncing the first names? I always say something different. I'm not sure what it is. Chuma Okiki. I like the power forward. He's not too bad. And off the bench, 11 apiece from RJ Hampton and Gary Harris. Okay, Pelicans. Guys. A weird stat. The Pelicans have outscored the, uh, their opponents since the All-Star break by, I believe, an average of 20 points. Can you believe that? And once again, they blow out another team, another tough team in the Utah Jazz, 124-90. to 90. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I can't believe this. All right. So 24 points from CJ McCollum, 29 points from Brandon Ingram, and off the bench, it was mostly uh, uh, wide scoring, but from off the bench, 11 points from my guy Snell. Uh, Tony Snell. <laughs> I can't forget about Tony Snell. We had uh, Najee Marshall with freaking 13, like uh, 10 points, and Wendley Hernan Gomez for 13 points. That's my guy, you know. But for the losing team, 14 points from Donovan Mitchell. Uh, we had 10 points from Rudy Gobert. Wasn't the best shooting night for this team at all. Only 34% shooting. That's terrible. Uh, 13 points off the bench from Hassan Whiteside and 12 rebounds. Double-double for him. Doesn't really matter, though. They lost. Okay. The Tims and the Thunder. Tims got the blow win on the road, 138-101. to Okay. 16 points from uh, Jaden McDaniels. 20 points from Carl Anthony Towns. 17 points from DeAndre Russell. 20 points from Nas Reed. 15 off the bench from Malik Beasley. All right. And you still had my guy, McLaughlin, getting dropped by... Uh, SGA doesn't matter though. I just gotta point that out <laughs> because SGA had 33 points, seven assists, uh, 21 points on uh, my guy Isaiah Roby, 12 points from Pukashevsky, and 15 from Trey Mann, not Terrence Mann, Trey Mann. All right, <laughs> Rockets lose to the Nuggets 111 or oh, 101 to 116. Boogie, yo, what did I tell you guys about my guy Boogie? What did I tell you? I said, I called it. I said they would sign him for the rest of the season. I called it. I predicted it. All right. And Boogie went off. 31 points in 24 minutes. Nine rebounds, four assists. Boy, this guy was going crazy. 14 points from Jeff Green. 12 points from Eric Gordon. 11 points from Will Barton, who is now the all-time leader in three points made for the Denver Nuggets. Congratulations to my guy. And 10 points from Monte Morris. 14 points off the bench from Jermichael Green. But Boogie, though. Why I tell you guys about Boogie? That's my guy, Boogie. Get Boogie with it, boy. Stop playing. And for the Rockets, 22 points from Christian Wood. 10 points from Jashan Tate. 11 points from Eric Gordon. 18 points from Jalen Green. And 11 off the bench from Shagoon. Oh, uh, and last but not least, the Knicks, heartbreaking fashion, lose 114 to 115 in a great game in where Cam Johnson Cam Johnson off the bench, 38 points. Game winner. He ain't called glass, but he called game. He called game. Paul Pierce, he called game. That was terribly great. That was great. Oh, my goodness. 17 points for Cameron Payne. 20 points from Mikel Bridges. 14 from Jay Crowder. And 10 points off the bench as well, too, from Aaron Holiday. But my goodness, Cam Johnson, go off. This guy was efficient everywhere on the court. Nine three-pointers? Wow. For the Knicks, 25 points from Julius Randle, who got ejected from the game, <laughs> unfortunately. Seven rebounds from him, too. Uh, 17 points from Mitchell Robinson. 15 boards, too. That's pretty good. 16 points from Alex Burke. 16 points from Aaron Fournier. Um, 20 points from R.J. Barrett. Not too bad. Not too bad. And 13 points off the bench from Emmanuel quickly, but this team collapses late. 
um, and they get a freaking game winner <laughs> by my guy, Cam Johnson. That was tough. That was tough. All right. For tonight's matchups, 76ers and Heat. No James Harden, by the way. I got the report. So give me the Heat. Warriors and Lakers. Hmm. Give me the Warriors. Kings and Mavericks. Give me the Mavs. Spurs and Hornets. Give me the Hornets. Magic and Grizzlies. Give me the Grizz. Blazers and Tims. Give me the Tims for that. And for Sunday's matchups, I'll do that really quickly. Nets and Celtics. Yeah, give me the Celtics. I'm not sure what it is, but the Celtics have their number. The Celtics get down and dirty whenever they face the Nets. I'm not sure what it is, but give me the Celtics. Suns and Bucks. Give me the ooh. Ooh. I'm going to go with the home team. Either, even though, I mean, it's not going to be a, a great game because no CB3, but I'm still going with the home team. Give the Bucks. Uh, Pacers and Wizards, give me the Wizards. Grizz and Rockets, give me the Grizz. Jazz and Thunder, hmm. Give me the Jazz. Give me the Jazz. Rock, Raptors and Cavaliers, a great game to watch. Give me the Cavs at home, though. Pelicans and Nuggets, give me the Nug. Ooh, actually, I don't know. I don't know. The Pelicans were looking really good. I told you guys I averaged 20 points for their wins. Give me the Pelicans. Because Boogie, he's going to go against Jonas Valachunas. Jonas is going to have a number for him. But still my guy, though. But this might be their first loss with Boogie starting. So give me the Pelicans. Actually, on the road. Knicks and Clippers. Give me the Clips. And there you guys have it for today's fun, packed episode Make sure to tune in to see if I was right once again with my predictions. Probably am, but that's just me. Guys, hope you enjoy the show. Hope everyone is having a great Saturday and enjoy the weekend. We will be with you on Monday for the start of the new week. New episodes, new content, new analyzing, new game footage. Just kidding, no game footage here. But new voices, potentially, you never know. And hopefully we'll be, we'll, we'll be back with us in the future. And Continue to support MBS. Continue to support the grind. It does not stop. And big up your boy, Edwin. It is Game Breakers, and we are out.